Hello everyone, welcome to What is Covenants, Specialized Pastoral Care Services, Christian Counseling Ministry, with Carolyn Barnett and Dave Clay. Carolyn, I bet your house is like really, really, really orderly and clean. Sure. <laughs> we'll go with that. I like order. I like clean. I can't always say that it is orderly and clean, but um, it's interesting that you say that because in this rental house, I told my husband, I said, have you noticed I've been keeping this house cleaner? <laughs> it's like a revelation to me. And um, he said, well, it's smaller. And I was like, oh, he just burst in my bubble, but burst, bursted, burst my bubble. But, we um, just said bust. Bust. Busted. Okay. <laughs> That's why I'm not an English teacher, but I do like that. And interesting enough, I didn't really grow up like that. Mm. My mom was, hmm, not quite a hoarder, but on the verge of like keeping papers and clutter and stuff like that. And I just, I don't know. I, I think once you recognize that in your head, what the effects of that does. And it made me think a lot about it when I read that Marie Kondo book, that something, The Magic Art of Decluttering or something. I can't remember the name of it. And it made me think about it because she actually talked about the eye. The brain has more to process when you walk in a room and there's more stuff, which makes sense. I know it's very basic. But I wanted to actually apply that and make there be less stuff, like a minimalist almost. But um, I have a little small bathroom now, and I like it. <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> Well, and this know, is all but, again. But I do like it. This is all again within the context of moving to the new rental because, yes. you, and in congratulations, a positive way you yes. sold your house, and it was the timing was good, and mm-hmm. all that worked out well. But finding another one, you had to move yeah. into a rental. Yeah. And I think you and I, we've talked. Uh, I think you and I, uh, speaking about what re- was required in the move, you found it really good to purge <laughs> to get rid of stuff yeah. and you know what I, I told you I, you know my personal feeling on that is if you're going to move that's the time to get rid of exactly. it exactly you know and, yeah. and don't take it with you where you go sell it throw it away mm-hmm. whatever mm-hmm. lest it become again somewhat hoarding where you have yeah. to find a place for all that stuff yes. and then usually the place that we find really if we don't purge if we don't release don't let go of that kind of thing or in that kind of way those kind of things what we'll do is we'll end up stuffing closets and drawers or nowadays what you should do is go out and get a rental unit for your stuff you live in your house then you go rent I don't know, like a garage or a locker or a pod or whatever (laughs) and put all your stuff in that I think I'll pass on that, and I have been, it's it's been kind of eye-opening. I've had a big box of kitchen stuff that we packed, and it's out in this breezeway, and it's funny because I went out there to get what I needed, and I brought it in, but yet, there's a whole box still out there full of stuff, and so I'm curious, like, I want to see how long before I don't use any of that stuff, because... Well, you've been through a fire, too, Mm -hmm. lost everything in a fire, Mm -hmm. which that's a very dramatic or drastic Mm -hmm. way to have your stuff purged, right? right? Mm -hmm. But there is a lot of liberty that comes with that, and then there's that freedom Mm -hmm. that follows and Mm -hmm. that feeling of, 
you know, I thought I needed this, but I really didn't need this. Mm-hmm. We made a decision. It really wasn't we. It was a me. I made a decision a long time ago when we, when we went into business, opened up our practice initially all those years ago, never to buy a piece of furniture that had a drawer in it. Now, I must confess we have file cabinets, and with that, sometimes that becomes a, a, a repository, a place to put yes, yes, uh, your stuff, uh, clutter. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's always going to be a bit of that because there's closets there. But that was my commitment was I am not going to give anybody, myself or anybody else, any room to indulge the idea or the notion that you could kind of put something somewhere and keep it because it always overtakes you. It, it always gets to the point where there's so much more and then I'm one of those individuals too. If you've been able to purge it, if you've been purged like with the fire, mm-hmm. or even if you didn't choose to do it, mm-hmm. then work really diligently to keep it minimal mm-hmm. because I kind of clean up before it gets to that messy state because I hate that. Right. And, you know, I guess you kind of look at that. Well, that takes some energy and to clean it up takes energy. I don't know which is greater, but just for me, I've looked at big messes mm-hmm. and I thought to myself, I don't know if I got where to begin. I don't know how to clean all of this stuff up. Well, that's what I told Tim yesterday. I said, you know, I would get overwhelmed when it gets to that point where there's so much and then it's a big job, but if it's smaller increments, you know, 15 minutes a day or whatever you choose, then that's more manageable. And I, um, Peter Walsh, I don't know if you know who he is or not, and he wrote a book, um, he had a TV show even, and he talked about organization where I started this Rafe file, <laughs> read, act, file, and it's just a, which it is a drawer, so you may not like it, but it kept it contained and then it minimized how much could go in it. It's like one of those little plastic three drawer things and you know, the top drawers, things you have to read yet. The middle one is things you have to act on, like they require action. And then the bottom is file. And so you would have a designated time to file, you know, to do that, to act in that file. And that, that really helped me because it kept things in a place. They had a home and then I had to deal with it because obviously you couldn't let it get out of control. But I tend to, you know, if it gets overwhelming, then I just kind of stare at it <laughs> because I, I just don't know how to deal well, with it's, it. Well, it's a mess. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's a mess conceptually, mm-hmm. what to do with it. Mm-hmm. it it's a mess literally. Mm-hmm. And, and I, again, I need to say this once more. I need to say this in all fairness. The mm-hmm. once more is for all fairness purposes. Uh, some stuff I go back and use. So it's like some things I've kept and will eventually get True. back around to using. But the majority of them I don't. And then the ability to really, as you said, the RAF, yeah. the, the ability to kind of know which to keep and which mm-hmm. to get rid of, mm-hmm. that's also probably a bit of a skill set or an art. You mm-hmm. have to kind of learn how to do that. Mm-hmm. So what has this got to do with what is Covenant Specialized Pastoral Care <laughs> Services, Christian Counseling yeah, Ministry with Carolyn Barnett, Dave Clay? Because <laughs> this is what we do. Help people manage their stuff, and mm-hmm. you know, we started with the house, the physical stuff, and moved to my practice and the office. But you know, persons do that. Those are good mm-hmm. examples or metaphors. Uh, I've made a decision. Okay. 
Uh, you are the, what are you again with Covenants? <laughs> the director. The director. <laughs> I need to apologize publicly <laughs> for what you're about to know, what you're okay. about to hear. And, and to the extent or degree that you are the director, I should have run this by you. Okay. Now I'm being kind of facetious because I have talked to you a bit about it. But I don't know that I've said it in such a declarative way, and certainly we've not said it on the podcast okay. for our listeners right, to really take all this in. But we have come to a conclusion, <laughs> we, that we are going to use a type of counseling. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the thing about counseling. If it, you're going to do it, it needs to be evidence-based, mm-hmm. right? It needs to be empirically studied. There needs to be some research done. It needs to go through trials. The uh, experimental sort of methodology, not that we would experiment on any of our patients. But you do. You, you try something and, you know, you're cautious and you want to mitigate risk. And mm-hmm. you've got to have a sound reason to do it this way mm-hmm. that, that sort of suggests that, it's, especially with counseling, it's not going to harm anybody. Uh, and then you try it. And then you kind of see if it works or doesn't work. But, you know, we could do that, and I could come up with my own particular brand of therapy. You could come up with your own particular brand of counseling, uh, psychological counseling, or with just that pastoral counseling. But at the same time, though, um, why would we want to do that? Because there is already such a thing, and it's called the Word of God, right? It's the Old and the New Testament. That's what that is, folks. Right. It, is, it, it is better than a pharmaceutical company, and we usually talk about pharmacy grade when it comes to <laughs> anything that you ingest. Make sure that it's got that sort of dimension of, I guess, clinical protocol, mm-hmm. and it's, you know, you've got some sort of trials, and you, you know, that they try it on people, and mm-hmm. you've got uh, ex- groups that, you know, control groups, experimental <laughs> groups, all that stuff that goes into research. They do statistics, and, you know, they, you're, you want to inform consent. You want to know all of that, mm-hmm. and you want to know that it's been done properly. Unless somebody says, well, just take this. It'll work. And then you find out, well, what's in it? Well, they're really not sure what's in it, but yeah. it works. How did they know it worked? Because so-and-so told me it worked. No, mm-hmm. that's not. But it's the same thing with counseling. Mm-hmm. But we use the Word of God because there is no greater study in either humanity right. or what <laughs> talk therapy, counseling, mm-hmm. what works. Mm-hmm. That's all that the Bible is. Is counseling. God is counseling us, counseling us, counseling us to the point of Jesus, who is, as many of his titles, as many of those titles that he held, the Bible, one of those is counselor. Mm-hmm. Wonderful, I think it's counselor. One. Mm-hmm. Yes. Or mighty Prince counselor. Of peace, mighty God. Yeah. Yes. Hmm. So this idea, though, is we've, <laughs> we, we've decided to base our practice. Mm-hmm of counseling, pastoral care, specialized counseling, Christian counseling, on a model that some would say maybe is just antiquated. It's been around a long time. There's been a lot that's been done since then. There's been a lot that's been done since then, even in more empirical terms besides the Bible, to confirm it. Uh, It's based on some psychological premises, which has, I only say that because there's a lot of research on cognitive behavior therapy, Mm -hmm. Uh, 
But there's nothing more cognitive or behavioral than, again, the Word of God. And in that, that's what I've chosen. That we're going to use Jay Adams' model of counseling, which is called Nuthetic Counseling. And for anybody who otherwise would want to Google Jay Adams or even maybe would want to find out what we mean in more detail than we're certainly going to be able to cover today on the podcast, I would suggest they get competent to counsel, which was, I think, written, again, some would say antiquated, but back in the 70s. But there's really not much that's changed since then. And let me just make this other distinction. I'll give it back to you now that you know about all this stuff. Now that I've given you full disclosure. And disclaimer on it. All the other stuff is somebody sat around and figured it out. A psychologist, a psychiatrist, Mm -hmm. a psychological counselor, a theorist said, well, this is how it's going to (laughs) be. And then they've come up with their own terms. Mm -hmm. And then they've sold it to the world. And, you know, again, I'm not saying that it's not evidence-based. Again, cognitive behavior therapy, usually it's attributable to... Um, I can't think of the gentleman's name, Albert Ellis. And particularly back in the 70s, but even before that, it was a gentleman by the name of Watson. There was a lot of folks that began to posit Mm -hmm. how you think Mm -hmm. can really change how you feel and what you do. (laughs) It's just real basic stuff. But they put names on it. This is stuff that happened as recently as the 1900s, 1920s. I want folks to understand that's the origin of psychology. Mm-hmm. It is. They stole everything from the Bible, by the way. Right. <laughs> they, they have. And all of our institutions up to the 1900s, 1920s, educational institutions were Christian-based educational institutions. But they hijacked it all. Mm-hmm. So some of the premise was biblically established, but they've corrupted it so much with their personal flavor. Mm-hmm. And then they've gone out around and peddled it. That's what they do. They write books. Mm-hmm. They go on circuit tours mm-hmm. where they promote their books, they conduct lectures, they teach courses. The same things happen to colleges, though. When humanism really got into colleges at that level, that's what they started to do. But we base it on the Bible, and that's why we want to go back to Jay Adams, because that's basically what he says. It's not Albert Ellis's. It's not Watson's. It's not, I used to, B.F. Skinner was big to me. Mm -hmm. Not B.F. Skinner or any of the modern day, more contemporary theorists. Mm -hmm. Beck, Aaron Beck. It's the word of God. Mm -hmm. That was a long dissertation, but I had to tell you that. Okay, well, I'm glad you shared that. I'm glad that our listeners now know our new mindset, our new method. (laughs) And as I was looking at this book... Um, I just glanced at a few pages of it and I'm already excited about it because it just meshes with what I believe that we are trying to accomplish and how we approach it and so I feel like it's a natural move to go to this precisely because you're a Christian and you already were doing this Okay. and pastors (laughs) already have been doing this they just don't feel very confident doing this because Mm -hmm. everybody else is casted you said uh, shade. You were talking about bursted. It, it, <laughs> they casted shade. They have cast that. shade. Well, and they, they 
I like how you said that they pedal it, but they dress it up as if it's something different. And then look what we have here. Look at this new thing. And it's not new. It's the Word of God is still the same. It's still the same message, but we can't pretend like it's something else and then sell it, or at least ethically, I couldn't do that. But Well, and that's the whole point. We, we are not appealing to any worldly standard, mm -hmm. but we recognize, even in worldly sort of terms, there are such things, high standards, as empiricism and science mm -hmm. and being evidence-based. Right. So we appreciate that, even though we're doing this in a pastoral sort of way. But that's really what I want our listeners to hear. They've not. This is not the first time I've said this. For those that might be regular listeners, they've heard this. Maybe they don't need me to say it again. But I think it's always worth saying. The Bible is empirically sound. It is evidence-based. It presents a study. And it's not a singular individual. It's all of humankind. But it's everything that science purports but it's throughout history, all humankind. Mm -hmm. We're not just talking the last century. Right. Right? We're talking from the beginning of time. Mm -hmm. God has revealed to us what the human journey looks like mm -hmm. and how to fix it. Mm -hmm. And it is Jesus. Throughout it's centuries. the Word of God, mm -hmm. living Word of God, Old Testament, New Testament mm -hmm. applied. Mm -hmm. There's no reason to change that. Right. There's not. Oh, we can't. And Right. We shouldn't and we can't. It's immutable. Mm -hmm. But that's what Jay Adams says. Now, again, this is, this is not a selling out in any sort of way to humanism. Mm -hmm. But I do think some people need to hear our, the real basis for what we do. We're going to pass muster on both sides. Mm -hmm. We are ethically... Held to, we hold ourselves to the same standards that anybody that would have a professional license mm -hmm. would hold themselves to. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, we do everything we can to hold ourselves to the same standards of a pastor mm -hmm. yeah. and their licensure or their ordination. Mm -hmm. But more so, we hold ourselves to the highest standard of reality and truth, which is God's standard. Mm -hmm. And we know from a human side of it, that's where we pass muster in a human dimension. We know it. It's got all... Don't let anybody convince you that the Word of God and science are two different things. Science is the mind of God. It's just been corrupted by humanism and somebody's hijacked it, hijacked it and stole it just like the devil did. He seduced Eve with the Word of God. They're seducing you with the... Not the Word of God, but with their own concoctions and trying to tell you you're a lesser, trying to tell you you're a poorer, trying to tell you, well, it's a fairy tale. It's a, These folks, folks, as with the folks I'm talking to now, are mm -hmm. friends. <laughs> Folks, look at the world and tell me who's living in a fairy tale. Mm -hmm. It isn't me. It isn't you. It isn't the Word of God that's right. created a bubble and we're all living in this sort of fantasy. The world, because they can't face the truth, the reality, mm -hmm. they can't face God in that way, they're living in a fairy tale. And look what it's getting us. Right, exactly. And that's... That's the sad part and the frustrating part at the same time because we want them to understand this bubble and, and see it and not just, you know, we talked about the pit and when people fall into the pit, um, you know, Joseph was in a pit, but he didn't like set up house down there. Like some people will 
go in the bubble and then they then they don't see it anymore and then that's the reality it's like no you're living in a bubble that you're you're not seeing the whole picture and i it it frustrates me but it, it just it they've got boxes on their what is it their carport mm-hmm. they've got drawers <laughs> in their furniture they've got closets they've got houses yeah yeah that are filled full of junk. Mm-hmm. They've got stuff because they've never dealt with it. Right. Because they've hidden it. Right. Because they're running from God. They're running from truth. Yeah. They're running from reality. Mm-hmm. And they need to be gently, kindly reminded yeah. of the word. But if you try to distort it and create a bubble, my job is to pop it. I am not right. going to send you to hell. Right. I'm not. Right. I'm not going to participate, at least knowingly, willfully. Now, I may measure that a bit. If you're not ready for it, and I know it's just going to kill you, seemingly so, overwhelm you, I might, again, in my passion to be empathetic and understanding and agreeable and and want to help you, I might go a little slower, which is probably the right thing to do. Hopefully, we'll get to talk about that on the podcast today. But... I still need to pop the bubble, but I don't need to pop the bubble. The Word of God pops right, the bubble. Right. Reality. And I, I hope our listeners hear that intensity in your voice because I was thinking, you know, of course, when we walk up on that person with all the boxes, there's no judgment there. And, and I think that they feel like there is when we come at, I have a family member that, you know, said that she told me she felt like I was judging her. And, you know, that made me pause and kind of think about that. But also, is we're not mad at you. We're mad for you. You know, we're not mad because you have a thousand boxes or because you refuse to believe basic evidence that's, that's, you know, irrefutable. But we're mad for you because of what we want for you and what we know is available for you and that was done for you. Not only that, but that's the reason I I get, you know, kind of worked up over that because, you know, not only do we care about our loved ones, I mentioned my family member, but it's the whole world. You know, it's every person that comes in here to covenant. We want that for you. Well, God wants it. Right, absolutely. Again, I don't like to to anthropomorphize. I don't want to put on God human traits Mm -hmm. because I couldn't. And God's not human, so he can't be defined within human dimension, and that's all I could do. I could try to Mm -hmm. define him in human traits or human dimension because Mm -hmm. that's all I know. But for whatever it is worth, God has chosen to reveal himself as through the Bible, the Old and New Testament, Mm -hmm. what he wants, what's right, Mm -hmm. what is truth, what is reality. In such terms as he's angry, in such terms as he's going to pass judgment, in such, and this is where it comes back to, Carolyn, as with Ezekiel, if I am sounding, what was the word you used? It was a better word than intense. <laughs> Did you use the word intense? I think I, and, mm. Whatever the word was, if I'm sounding that way, it's because God looks at me like he looked at Ezekiel and says, if you don't tell them the truth, it's on you. Ezekiel. And we've covered that most recently in, in uh, podcasts, either last podcast, previous podcast, recent weeks. 
I am not going to go before God and Him having told me these things, mm-hmm. or I'm not going to go before God knowing that there is a resource in a more contemporary sense, Jay Adams, that takes it in such an iconic sort of dimension. Mm-hmm. Not that it's iconic like above everything we should worship it, but it captures really well this concept of Nuthetic, because that's exactly what he says. He said he's a pastor, and he kept sending all his parishioners, his church members, to humanists, psychologists, psychiatrists, and they just kept hiding the problem. They kept trying to cover it up. They kept trying to stuff it in a drawer, stuff it in a closet, put it in a box. They kept trying to come up with excuses Mm -hmm. as to why, well, you were born into a family that did this and that, and you know, it's all now part of your personality, and you really can't change that. And I don't disagree with the summation or the summarization of how people, the etiology, how people get to where they are. I think all that's true. Mm -hmm. The problem with psychiatrists is they take you off the cross. They want to say, well, you really don't need a savior because you just really need to accept yourself for who you are or blame the world. Yeah. (laughs) No, I don't need to clean my house out. You guys just need to stop judging me, stop Mm -hmm. bothering me. Mm -hmm. But I don't know that everybody's called to do what we do, and I'm not sure everybody's called to counsel. Mm -hmm. I think probably all pastors find themselves in some position of having either needed to do that or requests to do that. And I certainly understand why it might be better with some to send them to somebody like me. That's why we're here, right, or you. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, though, I just want everyone to know, folks out there who are friends, that it's all our responsibility to spread the word of God. Mm -hmm. But maybe we don't spread it in the same way. Maybe we don't become the <laughs> the juggernaut. Maybe we don't get. Maybe we're not going to be Stephen. Maybe we're not going to be stoked. Mm-hmm. But we have to do that in the fashion that God gives us. But all of us, in the same sort of way, Ezekiel and, and as I was confessing, mm-hmm. my passion comes from that. Mm-hmm. My, I do have. I want to. I, I want to tell them. I want to help them. But I. Even more than that, God tells me, I have to. Mm -hmm. I must. If I don't do it, it's me he's going to look to Mm -hmm. and say, why didn't you? Mm -hmm. Why didn't you care for them? Why didn't you feed them? Why didn't you uh, take care of their needs? Why didn't you tell them the truth? Why didn't you spread the word? Why did you let this continue without any sort of statement? Why? And again, there's certain circumstances, situations where it's easier to say it. And then again, some right. like Stephen, if you're going to be taken before an enemy, hostile, <laughs> hostile regime, if you're taken before the adversary, the enemy, you're going to probably expect it. If you're going to be Jesus, taken before Pontius Pilate, mm-hmm. you can't argue. So just you're going to have to be mute. But all of us, just quiet, uh, couldn't wasn't right for him to defend himself. But he defended himself before he got there. Mm -hmm. Talk about apologetics. He went around preaching everything. They knew everything. Mm -hmm. By that point, it was just to finish what they'd already set their heart to, which was to kill him. Mm -hmm. And that that falls back, you know, even to your obedience, even just the bottom line of us following what we, where we feel like God's leading us, no matter what that looks like. Because some people say, well, I'm, you know, I don't think God wants me to do that. Well, whatever it is that he's calling you to do, it's going to be on you. And let's hope and pray that you're going to be obedient in that.
But I want to make a note of something that you mentioned about, the, you know, goes back to even the garden, is that I would question why. <laughs> and I would ask um, this other uh, therapist that I knew, and I miss her terribly because she, she was so full of wisdom. And I would say, well, I just don't understand why. You know, why does he do this? Why, you know, why, why, why? And I guess I just wanted answers. I don't know. I was immature in my thinking, you know, and I was just trying to understand it. And she said, it doesn't really matter why. It goes back to human, you know, sin nature. We want what we want. And, you know, the, the thing, whatever it is at that moment, it doesn't really matter. It's the basic need, you know, of wanting, you know, to be loved or to, you know, feel accepted or whatever, you know, but the, the act that was, you know, the behavior that was negative, it doesn't really matter why. It was just, you know, that's the sin, the world that we live in. So I kind of quit questioning why because it became clear to me you know, that this is what we do. This is, as humans, we, you know, strive for the best as adults. We look at it different, but this was a child, and as he would act, and I would question why, and then I learned, I'm not going to question why anymore. Well, even if you are as you get the answers, mm -hmm. and in her wisdom, there's obviously got to be knowledge, mm -hmm. but in, in the answers, you still have to do something with it. Right. That's, again, right. the whole premise of the But it changed my thinking into, you know, trying to, instead of putting a name on it and a label on it and well, you, dressing it up to something else, which is what I was trying to do. And it's like, no, it's not that complicated. It goes back to the word yeah. and the basics, black and white. And, and you know what to do. But also, I think, in what you were saying, was there was a point where you had to accept it. Mm-hmm. True. You couldn't hide it. You yes. couldn't package yes. it away. You couldn't be. Yeah. You couldn't justify it. Well, I accepted it, but mm -hmm. you know, and and just cut me some slack or cut him some slack. Feel or, sorry for me, and then you go to self pity, and that's well, and that doesn't do anything. But yeah. that's what humanism does. Is right. And and or the bizarre thing is, remember, this is all based on what Satan does, the devil does. This is this is pure evil we're talking about. Mm -hmm. But that's how he tried to elevate himself to be better. Than you because in somewhere, somehow, inside of you, somewhere, somehow, inside of you, testimony of the word, Holy Spirit, mm -hmm. you know that person isn't any better than you. But it's not that they're doing that hypocritically. You just know that they're in a position to say that to you and you needed it said to you, but yes. they're doing it out of God. Right. They're doing it out of the Holy Spirit. You right. say, well, that's an easy answer, right? That's. But at least I'm at least telling you. Right. I'm not trying to just say, well, you know, you're a sick person and you're just probably always going to be sick and let's just give you some medicine right. to treat your sickness. And we really don't know if it works or not because we've only done so many feel. But it's supposed to work. It's like yeah. we were talking about at the beginning of the podcast. Mm -hmm. it's supposed to work. Well, it helps such and such. Yeah. So. And, you know, you'll just have to keep coming back in to see me and we'll just keep talking about this and maybe you'll never get better and maybe there's nothing good that's going to really happen. You just have to accept this is your disability. This is your disease. And even if we did that in Christian context, this is your iniquity and sin manifesting. 
And I'm not saying there can't be genetics, there can't be disease models. I believe in those things. Are, but you still have to deal with it. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do with it? Are you going to make it worse? Are you going to allow it to become institutional in your life, so much so your personality, and you're not going to do anything except sit around and blame it for everything? Mm-hmm. It's that woman you gave me. <laughs> it's this disease, God. I didn't ask for it, God. It's my parents. It's the person who abused me. It's the person who lied to me, cheated. It's the person that still lies and cheats. It's the world. No, you can't live there because if you go there, you're going to be, as you're talking about, uh, the pit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Joseph. Yeah. You're going to make residence in the pit. But that's hell. That's what right. the pit is. The pit is hell. Right. And you're choosing to make residence in that. And then you're going to contribute to the delinquency of others. Mm-hmm. The dereliction of others. You're going to be contributing to the watering down of the word. You're not going to stand for what's right. You're going to, oh, well, it's just the way it is. And well, you're going to pull people down with you. I mean, they're going to see you and imagine this, you know, um, them walking up. Oh, my gosh, you're in a pit. How would you get down there? Well, it's not so bad. You know, I've, I've set up shop here. I'm, it's pretty, you know, it's decent. You ought to come down and look at, you know, oh, well, hmm, maybe I should look at that. I mean, it's not far-fetched. I know I'm, I'm making like a loose interpretation, but that is not far from the truth. I mean, when we live our life out in front of other people and they see us. Surely it's, God said you're not going to die. Exactly. If you know this stuff, just yeah. accept yeah. it. And in that way, acceptance ex- is as with a lie. You yeah. can't accept the lie, but you do need to accept the truth. But he's just trying to convince you it's a lie. And then he's going to elevate himself. Right. Mm-hmm. He's going to make himself look better than you. He's going to keep you in a position of inferiority. Mm-hmm. He's going to hold you down. And then he's not going to be better but he's just going to pretend like he is so that he can fleece, fleece the sheep. Mm-hmm. So he can take things from you. So he can order you around. So he can tell you Keep what... Keep you in the pit. Yes. Mm. In bondage. Yeah. And send you to the pit. Right. That's what Literal. you said. Pull them. Yeah. Send you to hell. Mm-hmm. But that's really why, if it is intense or impassioned or whatever, if I know this, why shouldn't I share this with you? Right. If I know it from the inside, mm-hmm. behind the curtain, why should I not tell you this? Right. If I have enough knowledge, education mm-hmm. to know what it's all about, mm-hmm. I've studied it, I've studied human behavior, and my conclusion is not that that's worthless, except that it would be attached to God and the Word of God. But if it isn't attached to the Word of God, it's worthless. Mm-hmm. You're going to end up where you began. Mm-hmm. It may look like you're going to get someplace. Mm-hmm. But in the end, when it comes down to all the necessaries of it, the rubber meets the road, right. as, as it said, you're not going to find them anywhere. You're going to be ghosted. You're going to be left out there on your own, and you're going to say, well, you said you'd be with me. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, they're trying to escape hell too. And they already have taken you down, and they've exploited you for whatever they could get out of you, and now they're moving on to somebody else because you're just rubbish. You just need to be cast into the pit, burned up in the fire, as withdraws, just pour you all out, get rid of it, because all the impurities, it's not worth anything. You're not worth anything. On the next episode of Hoarders, they've moved on to the next person. I can't help but think there's so, <laughs> there's so many similarities to that show, because I've watched that show, and I'm kind of fascinated with the... Um, 
the psychology part of it because the people that that deal with them have degrees in psychology. I mean, it's not just a you know thing where they're like expert um, organizers. No, that those people don't need expert organizers. They need somebody to help them figure out what it is that they're believing, which is leading to their behavior, and get at that, which is similar to what we do. Um, but I just keep thinking about how they approach those people. Yes, there's an intensity of it that comes with their, um, you know, their method of how they, you know, speak to them. But in the beginning, they don't go at them passionately. They they walk into it gingerly to be able to, you know, show some empathy, to talk to them, to establish a rapport, you know, all the things that the Holy Spirit and Christ does of course of course he is intense you know it's it's the holy spirit but he doesn't beat down our door and tell us we have to serve him you know kindness leads to repentance and so when they go at those people and then once they get into it then it's like you you're believing a lie and this is the truth god's word we would say and you're believing a lie that's not going to help you. And this is where it got you. Well, that's the basis of cognitive therapy. Albert Ellis did it. He's not, <laughs> never he's dead, posthumously. He would never be called a Christian. Hmm. I mean, I think he, I don't know that he was not, he was not, not so above it that he wouldn't use Christianity to his end if he felt like that could get him. But he saw no merit or no value. Freud saw no merit or no value in it. He was prior to Albert Ellis. But right now I go back to cognitive behavior therapy because it is the most studied, the most evidence-based approach that we have available. All I'm saying is that the studies, that's the evidence of how it works. But what he would do is the same thing we're talking about here. You, and all I'm trying to make the point of it is, is not to justify what we do here about Albert Ellis, but just mm -hmm. go out there. They're going to do the same thing or they're just going to continue to lie to you mm -hmm. and massage you and mm -hmm. your ego and make right. you feel good. That's what I'm saying. That doesn't help those people using the hoarder people. That doesn't help them. Well, somewhere there's a come to Jesus moment. Right, exactly. You have exactly. to have that. And the truth. And yes. That's, and that's where we go back to God's Word, and we're not here to to judge you or make some kind of statement about your choices. It's not about that. It's about what does God's Word say, and then where are you at, like in proportion to that. And then what do we need to do to line you up with God's Word? How do you perceive you know, where you are. Some people don't know where they are. You know, those people with the stuff, they don't see all that. They, and you're in the pit, they don't, they, they've put out rugs and furniture. They don't really think they're in the pit anymore. So that's, you know, I think that's important too, to kind of recognize, do you know where you're at? But if you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, mm -hmm. Or even if you're not there yet, you've mm -hmm. just read the Bible, the Old Testament, and you understand and appreciate the ethics, the code of conduct, right. the virtue that right. it represents in I'm human. A good person. But even so, you're already coming to terms within yourself for the truth. Mm -hmm. But if you've gotten to my office and you purport to be a Christian, either you don't know the word or you're denying the word. I mean, it's just that basic. Mm -hmm. Because there's no way you could read the word of God 
There's no way you could read the Old Testament and not believe in Jesus and accept him as Lord and Savior, except you would then do what you're saying, which is to reject it completely, pretend like it's something different, mm-hmm. I'm not going to do it, or, and, shouldn't be or, because everybody, no matter where you grow up, no matter what you grew up in, that's what I was trying to say earlier, it's on you. Personal accountability. Right. To accept the truth, to accept Jesus Mm -hmm. as your Lord and Savior, and experience the salvation. Everybody has that. Mm -hmm. But again, the more you run from it, the further you get out there in it, the worse it's going to be. It's like cleaning up that mess. Right. You can either address it now. By the time that you come to Jesus, most of us have got a big mess, and he helps us to clean that up. Mm -hmm. But after that, you can go back to your old ways. Mm -hmm. As a dog returns to vomit, it's vomit. You could go back to doing that, Mm -hmm. but you'll just create another mess. And you can say, well, Jesus saved me, and that's okay. Jesus will. But we're saying to get really better, And to really, I think, experience the fullness of that. And if you've never come to Jesus, certainly don't reject the message of that or try to find some other answer. Mm-hmm. Go astray. Be the prodigal. You're going to always come back from the pig pit. Mm-hmm. And hopefully you'll come back. But there's some that don't. They don't accept the premise. They're living in the bubble. They've chosen mm-hmm. to. They're going to crucify Christ. They're mm-hmm. going to not... Albert Ellis, for those folks, he'd confront them too. You're irrational. You're making irrational choices. Your thoughts control your emotions and behaviors. Your emotions don't control your thoughts because they're not fully cooked. Emotional thinking is not full, rational, mm-hmm. reason thinking. Right. And if you've got an addiction or behavior problem, as evidence with hoarding, mm-hmm. then don't let your behaviors then require you to somehow rationalize that intellectually so there's integrity in, in you. You know, you can live with yourself right. by making it seem like it's okay. Mm-hmm. No, he'd say, it's irrational. And he'd use a few curse words along the way. <laughs> Jay Adams never would do that because he's a Christian. He's a pastor, but he's going to use the word of God, but he's going to use it just as impassioned, and he's going to mm-hmm. be that confrontive. Mm-hmm. And with that, maybe there's a personality dimension. Some people are a little bit this, and some people are a little bit that in their presentation, but it right. all comes down to The truth must be told somewhere in it Mm -hmm. or people aren't going to get better. Right. They're going to get worse because I do believe that. The disease model says there's a progression. Mm -hmm. You're either moving towards something healthy or you're moving away from something healthy. You're either for me or you're against me. You can't be And we're always moving. Yes. We're always moving. We're not stagnant. So... It may, it may be so minute, slow that we don't see it, which is dangerous because as Christians, you know, if we, if we ever so slightly move away, we may not notice it. We may, we may turn our, you know, bat an eye at it, which is kind of scary because, you know, obviously we don't want to do that, but we're not incapable of it. So we have to be alert, you know, uh, I think about when Jesus, you know, that's come to me several times this week about, you know, can you not stay awake for one hour? <laughs> can you just watch and pray? And so it's like, you know, I feel like we need to be alert in this day and age. Like, I don't want to be lulled to sleep in the idea of heaven and, you know, everything's great and God's good and all that. I don't, no, no, there's people dying and, and going to hell and 
what am I doing about that? And I don't want to be hypervigilant either. I don't want to go to the other side or suggest, recommend hypervigilance. You're not. Yeah. But yeah. I don't want to do that either. Yeah. We shouldn't be so paranoid. Right, exactly. So hypervigilant. Yeah. There is a rest. Mm-hmm. We're gonna have to we're gonna have to table at least the scriptural references until the next podcast. Because we're not gonna have time to do Part it. two. Part two. <laughs> but but we're not encouraging hypervigilance, although we're speaking, but we do both sides of that. There's a time, as in Ecclesiastes, a time for all things. Mm-hmm. So there's a time for rest, and God promises a rest. Mm-hmm. Us a rest. Right. And it's not only a Sabbath day rest, although I do think one day off a week is probably good advice, but it's entering into his rest any time we should need it, or maybe at all times, at least operating out of his rest, or at least his performing the work, so that we do not have to become hypervigilant. But there is a time, even as with that, I spoke earlier about God, you couldn't capture him in human trait and dimension. We try to, because that's all we know, but he's beyond measure. But in that same sort of way, he puts prophets, he puts people in persons' lives, people's lives, for the sake of saying things. Today on the podcast, maybe they'd accuse us of being a little bit too much for this overall, but at least today on the podcast, the time is to say, this is why we're going to have a come to Jesus meeting, and this is why we're going to present it in this way. But when you come see us, I'm not going to like smack you around. Right. I'm not going to get Jay Adams' book out of the Bible out, or <laughs> vice versa, Bible out or Jay Adams out and right. smack you around. Right. I'm going right. to be loving and kind and considerate, but right. I'm going to be real. And so I understand the full breadth of human emotion. Mm-hmm. And all of it is important. I, again, would challenge anybody to point out to me where there is not any part of the body without some drama. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's always drama. And because it is life and death. Right. Yeah, you get to rest. But there's nowhere in the human history that there isn't going to be conflict and drama. It's just human nature. And this is what we're contending with. So don't get mad at me because I experience the full range of human emotion. Because I'm a participant in the world as much as you are. But I also can't understand how I'm in this world but not of this world, which is what I'm trying to convey to you. Right, exactly. And so there's always a measure when I do or say anything, I should be response sober mm-hmm. enough mm-hmm. to understand the implications of it. <laughs> but sometimes you just, you do it because again, God says, if you don't, mm-hmm. I'll find somebody else, but it's going to be on you. This one, I'm going to hold to your accounting. Mm-hmm. You didn't say it. You let them walk out of there. You didn't hold them accountable. And who knows if they're going to make it not only out of your office to wherever they're going to, but another day, another week, another month, another year. Nobody knows that except God. But that may be their appointed time, whenever it is. But you may be that last person they spoke to. Now, this is where you usually get altar calls in churches. But I don't do this for the sake of just stirring up all of that and saying, well, come to Jesus and repent because I don't want to manipulate anybody. But I want to show people it's not just an intellectual argument here. Mm -hmm. You've got to have a fire attached to it. You've got to have some passion or you're not going to clean the house. Right. You're not going to take on the mess. You're just going to, oh... Oh, I have a headache. Oh, I'm so tired. Oh, I don't know where my energy is. We'll get that tomorrow. We'll take. No, you can't be that way. You can't. 
You can't be that way because it accumulates. And if you are that way, you're still going to expend the energy. It's just going to be with additional complications. You're going to miss opportunities. Things are going to break or tear up because you didn't maintain them. There's just a lot of selling to the idea, at least I could, offer good reasons as with the selling of the idea that you should just stay on things. But I don't want to sell it. I want to come for your heart. But if you don't have a passion in you, if you don't have a fervor, if you don't have a desire, a drive, to, you're not going to do it. And I'm not going to keep pushing you around to do it. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to emotionally manipulate you to get you to do stuff. Mm-hmm. It's life and death, though. You mentioned the drama. And it does boil down to that. Because in the... in the uh, I want to use this, the whole episode, our whole podcast, the orders <laughs> episode. You know, they... When they speak the truth and they say, look around you and look at all this stuff, and they force them, you know, come to Jesus, and and we use the Word of God, and we tell them what it is. But then there's that moment where it's not really about that anymore. It's about changing what's on the inside. And so when we talk to people, like you said, we're not going to come in and beat you over the head with um, Jay Adams or the Bible, but then there's going to be that moment where the, you know, drama comes in where you're going to have to see this is my life or this is my death what am I going to choose and you know we brought it to him we did what you said we did what God asked us to do but then it's on you to make a decision once you've been given the truth and and, you know presented with the gospel and we're not here to force you, like you said, manipulate you or make you emotionally unstable to where you, you know, feel like we're trying to talk you into something. It's not about that. It's so much bigger than the thing. It's it, bigger than the thing you came into office for. It's full disclosure and disclaimer, and though it is as much for human, sort of pass and muster. Mm-hmm. Uh, so individuals understand how we are established ethically within the pastoral care sort of mm-hmm. model. But it's not to replace the Bible, but it lets them know. And with that, I'm glad. You're pretty much in agreement, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, now I can say it confidently. It's a we thing. Yes. That we believe this is the best approach. So that if anybody wants to come in and challenge us, anybody wants to say, well, what's your theoretical basis for this? Or why are you doing it this way? This is why we do it. Mm-hmm. This is the theoretical basis, the ethical basis. These are the ethics, the highest standard we're going to hold ourselves to is the Bible. But we also meet, I think, a certain degree of humanistic or at least Mm -hmm. the requirement at times to establish that in more human terms. We're still in this world. Yes. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to give that disclosure and disclaimer. But Mm -hmm. I also wanted folks to understand this is where it comes from. This is our heart. Mm -hmm. I I won't say us. This is my heart. Mm -hmm. This is where it comes from. So if, if you don't like that or you don't like the presentation of that, then, then there's others, and God would send you to others. Mm-hmm. I don't want to sound like I'm not concerned or that I'm in, I would not want to be insulting in that, but that's probably better to go that direction. But I do believe that, as Jay Adams would say, people don't get better until they have to face the truth. Mm-hmm. And sometimes facing the truth is, literally, as it used to be said, the euphemism, like coming to Jesus. Mm-hmm. It is coming to Jesus. How do I get a hold of us, Carolyn? You can give us a call, 304-528-9220. You can email us at covenants.llc1 at yahoo.com. 
you can always go online if you just want to find out more, covenantsonline.com. Or you can check us out on our Facebook page where we post a link to our podcast, and it's under Covenants. And should you not want to do any of those things, <laughs> you can always come back and catch us on the next podcast of What is Covenants? Specialized Pastoral Care Services, Christian Counseling Ministry with Carolyn Barnett and Dave Clay. And until the next time we get a chance to be together. God bless you.